This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Tyrese Campbell and you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. As always, myself, Mike Stockley, and of course, it wouldn't be a podcast without Mr. Daniel Buxton. Uh, evening, Dan, how's things, mate? It all good, mate, all good. Well, you know, I've recovered after last weekend's defeat. It's sort of semi-regular thing now, so I'm sort of you know, used to, but I'm sure we're going to turn that tide around, thinking positive still, aren't we? All positive. Well, we're thinking positive until my score prediction later on, but that's <laughs> that's fine. We're we're gonna we're gonna try and be as positive as we can. I don't I don't think anyone wants um, doom and gloom anyway, as, as as much as they can help anyway. Got to be realistic, but yeah, let's not be all defeatist anyway. Um, now, for anyone who's following social media, Facebook group, whatever it was, I hinted about a special guest. Now, uh, we had a number of names thrown at us: Alex Neal, Peter Crouch, Nigel Johnson. John T. Sargent was even mentioned. Um, so, yeah, he's Peter Crouch. No, it's not Peter Crouch. Uh, <laughs> the man that you're going to call upon. So if ever Stoke have got a new manager and you need someone to have a quick chat, if he wants to know what's on his own cakes, there's only one man for it. BBC Radio Stoke's Lucas Yeomans. Welcome to the pod, mate. Well, hey, I'm, I'm so excited to be doing this, but I'm so nervous now for the response and reaction on social media. When you guys have teased... A, a special guest and you mentioned there the first one I saw was Alex Neal um, and the um, the disappointment that's going to be echoing through Staffordshire <laughs> and Cheshire right now for the arrival of me I mean I can only apologise dear listener I can only apologise um, but I'm re- I'm genuinely excited I've been thinking about this all day I'm genuinely excited to do this because um, obviously uh, there's nothing better than talking about um, a football team out of form for, a, for a, however long we need to because it could have been worse. One of the guesses was Kevin Wimmer, so people will be happy. Kevin Wimmer, that one. <laughs> Who, why Kevin Wimmer? Like, like why? Is it like why would that be the next the next logical guess as well? I know we've had some um, Wedford at Volshire, didn't we? 
arriving at the bet 365 of the week. I mean, that would make more sense than than Kevin Vimmer. I mean, he probably forgets he played for Stoke, doesn't he now? Well, it'll be a very short podcast if we're talking about his career, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, dangerous, well. dangerous territory. Yes, very dangerous territory. But no, hopefully, you know, if anyone's listened to, you know, Praise and Grumble and stuff. But, and by the way, the, the extended Praise and Grumble a few weeks ago, I mentioned it on the previous pod. Um, that was excellent. I'm, I'm surprised you managed to get it extended twice. But what a, what an evening that was. Unfortunately, it wasn't for good reasons. But uh, I was like, Christ, if they're doing this now, if we get relegated, is it going to be like three hours long or something? Like, I was wondering where it was going to go. Well, I mean, I, I, I dread to think if, if that day comes. But um, yeah, there'll be, there'll be, there'll be one. One of us there primed and ready to go i i mean if anyone that, that listens to to radio stoke they'll know that uh obviously we have to be followed stoke city of course uh, but paul vale get followed as well and so do so do crew alex and all three for the first time in what feels like forever have got something riding on the season at the end of february because normally as long as i've been involved with the station it's kind of pretty much for the majority of the team's been job done mid-table finish by uh by around about about now so we've got stoke as we all know um having a bit of a fight in their hands at the moment Vale are in the relegation zone at the time of recording and crew are pushing for automatics so uh, it could be an actually for once a, an exciting end to the season i, I would i would just I'd, I'd quite like it to to only be for positive reasons but um i guess we have to wait and see still a long way to go well, don't you worry, Lucas. By the end of the season, Crew will have been promoted, which I've got no issues with that. Uh, Vale have been relegated in Stoke State, so ev- everyone will be happy. So that's all. How do you guys feel about the very real possibility? And I'm, I'm hoping this isn't the case for, again, obvious reasons. The very real possibility of all three of those teams being in the same league next year. Um, I think it's sad how Stoke fans have been calling for Stoke versus Vale for a long, long time. And everyone thought it would be in the Cup. And the chances of it being in the league is quite a depressing thought, if I'm honest. Uh, not how we all wanted it to go down. But hopefully it won't come to that. <laughs> don't know about Dan's feelings, but I didn't think it would be in the same league, if I'm honest. If it, hopefully it doesn't happen. Yeah, I thought if it was going to be in the same league, I thought they would have been joining us rather than us going down to them. But I suppose if we are going to get relegated to League One, that is like the only sort of positive you could really or the sort of the main positive I imagine would be at least we would have some sort of local derbies and yeah I mean the the police would get plenty of overtime in wouldn't they a couple of times but it's uh yeah you know that uh <laughs> if, if we do I mean, we hope it doesn't up. happen That's what I'm gonna say they better stay up if we go down yeah, that'd be ridiculous, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. Add, it would add to. It would add to the history books, wouldn't it? But I. Um, I. I mean, as much as everyone wants that that derby, um, I, I think, like you say, I think we want to make sure it's in the cup, don't we? And, and not not in a league position because something this season has gone very wrong. If that is the case. Gotcha. Yeah, there's a, a long way to go. Thankfully, at least we're not talking about this day before the end, you know last game of the season. That would have been really squeaky bone time. Um, but yeah, let, let's say let's. Let's get into the weekend just gone. Um, now, I guess when we talk about the the game, of course, versus Coventry, I mean, what I would say is I think the best place to start off was what caused a bit of noise online uh, and very, very much the lineup. Now, I'm not going to speak for you two, but when I saw that lineup at 2 p.m., which just to remind ourselves, it was Bonham, Hoover, Wilmot, Rose, Thompson, 
Baker, Pearson, Gooch, Condor, Loren, and Nathan Lowe. When I saw that, I was like, what the hell is he doing? Now, obviously, at that point, we weren't privy to illnesses and, and stuff like that. But when we thought about the team that Coventry are, and we all, you've got to respect Coventry. They've had a good season. Uh, they are, by and large, they are a better team than us, quite considerably at the minute. I was really worried about that, and I think everybody else was. Um, now, let's be honest as well. I think most of us had it down as a really difficult game and one that we would likely lose. But I think we actually, you know, that bunch of players put in a really decent showing, actually. I mean, Dan, what did, what did you think of the lineup just to kick off with? Was it, Scott's got, got to have been a surprise, right? I mean, I know we make six changes a match, but a bit of a surprise there, especially Nathan Lowe for me. Yeah, yeah, I think Lowe's the one that stands out, isn't it? But when when you give the team out and you sort of explain the six changes, and by the way, we've been told and we have to sort of try and remind people that that is Schumacher's way. People say he needs to set aside. We've been told that he averages five and a half, was it five and a half changes game? Uh, Aaron from like the Plymouth sort of ends told us when we signed, when Schumacher joined. So, yeah. you know, this is this is his way, and apparently, you know, the, he puts it down to high intensity, sort of demanding sort of high intensity from the players, so he keeps them fresh. And then, obviously, as they go later on in the season, they pick up less injuries because he listens to his fitness team as well, um, and then rests anybody who is sort of in the red zone, if you like. And if you look through this exchange, he's even had a dead lag. Um, with McNally picked up a calf strain, I believe, in training. Ennis has been, you know, got a long history of injuries and he, if he hadn't played two games in a week for a long, long time, spent a lot of this season injured. So after two real tough games where he's had to put the efforts in and everything, they were right. Because if at the minute with Ryan Mai where he is, I mean, Nathan Lowe played up front this one game. If, if Ennis goes on and gets injured, Nathan Lowe might be asked to be playing five, six, seven, eight games in a row. So, you know, I think it was the, the you know, wise call on that one. Um, yeah. Obviously, Berger picked up a knock and had to go off into a midweek, so they didn't want to risk that any more than they had to. And then, obviously, I think we the other two were Junior, who's he quite the question his fitness coming back from the African Nations Cup, and also Juno, who they said he played um, a lot of minutes in a short space of time compared to what he'd been used to previously. So he's obviously listening to the fitness side or whatever, and they are key players. It was a team who you looked at and you wondered where we were going to score. And I think the aim, well, judging by the substitutions, I think the aim was to stick in it until 60 to 70 minutes and then bring on Juno, Berger, Ennis, and, you know, try and win the game in that sort of, you know, the last third of the match, if you like. And to be honest, it's, they did a really good job of potentially doing that until... Sort of the error for the goal. Yeah, they they did, but I mean, Lucas. One of the, my points was really around, like, for example, Berger. We know how influential he can be. Yes, I understand he's got a knock. Now, I've always been on the fence of if you're fit enough to be on the bench, you're fit enough to start the match. I'd rather you get taken off 50, 60 minutes in when we've already hopefully got ourselves ahead. Not necessarily won the game, but got ourselves ahead. I mean, I don't know if you agree with that particular sentiment, but I think, yeah, if you're fit enough to be on the bench, you're fit enough to start and and get us ahead and we'll take you off later. Is that 
a bit short-sighted. I mean, I don't know. Is that just not how football works? He doesn't seem to be. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because obviously Walter Berger is like the the standout. I mean, he's he's one of the few, if not the only, shining light really from from the season so far. With just with how good he's been, um, it's tough, isn't it? Because he's someone that you'd want to see starting at every game. And and Pearson, I thought, did did well. Did his did his job well. Uh, yeah. and, and and I'm someone who still thinks there's a future for Pearson in, in 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 this side moving forward as well. Perhaps perhaps not starting, but there's, the, there's a use for him. Um, I would tend to agree in terms of you know if if you've got one of your best players available, um, then you need to make sure that that they're going to get as much game time as possible. But um, it's I suppose perhaps he would have preferred to not even put him on in the first place, and it was a sort of um, if if needed, a, a last minute decision, um, you know, a last chance saloon kind of thing to to put him on there. And when he came on, you know, he uh, he tried to he tried to control the midfield. But again, in recent games when he started, the midfields looked kind of lost. And that's not down to Valterberger, but I felt as though this game and, and and the QPR game as well, although they were less they were less challenged, weren't they? Um, I thought. For the first time, probably since Birmingham, the midfield looked a little bit more settled. There were less gaps. It just looked a little bit more in control than I've seen in in, in recent weeks. Um, but I, you know, you, you've always got a better chance when your best players are starting, no matter what position they're in. And and Valterberg, I mean, no one's getting. I'm not making an outrageous statement by saying he is the best player, isn't he? He is, and I think you mentioned about a more solid midfield. I'm with you. I think Ben Pearson's got a place in this squad going forward. I, th- I just think he does the ugly stuff, and he's not someone who cares about going forward and having a shot. Or he's just happy to sit there and you know and pick people off and cover. Which you know, let's be honest, we have needed that at fullback both sides for most of the season. But I think Lewis Baker is is the biggest thing for me. That that guy again feels like a you know a new man possessed. He's is the type of attitude we talked about relegation candidates, which we absolutely are, unfortunately. And me and Dan were talking about, you know, you need the the Pearsons, the Bakers, you know, maybe even the the, the likes of Gooch and Thompson. You, you need the the ugly players, if you like, to uh, to kind of grind you through these things. So I, I absolutely agree with you. I think there's there's definitely a place for them. I mean, Dan, what what did you make of the midfield? I mean, I think you said to me privately that I think the the Baker and Berger, hopefully if we stay up okay, then maybe next season that could be a, a bit of a, a staple for us going forward. Yeah, I like the idea of them two sort of being in the midfield. I like when Berger plays deeper, I think we potentially lose that bit of peace and not being there and that protection for the defence. Um, but I think that extra second or half second on the ball that Peter Berger gets by, say, sitting sort of behind the, the two eights, if you like, then playing further forward as an eight just gives him that, you know, where he can dictate the play a bit more. So it's like, what do you want? Do you want the more attacking sort of um, impact of, a, of Berger or the defensive solidity of Pearson? It's, I suppose the, the other option would be to play they're both of them a bit deeper, but then you sort of then are oh, you losing an extra man forward, aren't you? Um, but yeah, I like, I, I do like um, Berger in that sort of position in front of defence. But like I say, I think it's probably game by game where he plays. You can push him game on Saturday's card. Maybe you do push him a bit further forward and have that have Pearson come in to give you 
give you a little bit more solidity, if you like, in front of the defence. Um, on you, what you were saying before, by the way, about obviously, like you know, if he's fit enough behind the bench, fit enough start. I, I suppose the, the counter to that argument would be if if you start him, if he's only able to play thirty minutes, you don't want to make any subs, say thirty minutes in. And if you can win the game without him, he gets a full rest, and you don't risk him sort of picking up anything extra. Like yeah. if we'd have been two three nil up amazingly by some sheer fluke <laughs> then Ennis could have had a full rest as could Juno as could Berger um, I think the other thing as well is if you do put your first 11 out there and you know you've got to take your best player off in Berger then when that time comes say we were losing 1-0 and you've got to take Berger off how does that then impact both the players out there knowing that their best player's just gone off the fans in the stadium and also your chances of winning anyway. Imagine, yeah, imagine, imagine like the crowd reaction if we were 1-0 down, six minutes in and the ball goes up and Berger trots off. <laughs> no, that, that's a, that, yeah, that, that's a fair comment. I suppose it's almost like you can't win either way, which is a typical uh, problem for a manager off the time, isn't it? You can't win either way. I think what, like I said, what we kind of hinted at earlier, though, was despite that team... And necessarily, I mean, if we had a full fit 11, then it probably wouldn't be the team any of us would have chosen. We kind of said they put a lot of fight in. I and mean, I think Nathan Lowe didn't really do an awful lot, but it's a it's a big ask for an 18-year-old to, to go in there against that defence and, and again, against a good team like Coventry. I still think, you know, we, we had a lot of hard workers, but clearly lacking the end product, like we mentioned. I think when I looked at the stats, we'd I think we'd had more shots than them overall fundamentally we only had one on target they had nine and had three on target so I suppose at the end of the day the scoreline read Coventry won Stoke nil that that's really what it kind of boils down to but I still think you know if we talked about emissions right and the clear emissions are obviously Tyrese Haksabanovic of course as, as another one Vidigal people like that which I guess that was as much a talking point as as anything else um I mean Dan, what, what what did you kind of make of, of the emissions? Because they obviously played for the under-21s um, the other night. <laughs> I would, don't want to speculate as to why why that is as such, but wouldn't that be wouldn't they be players you'd at least want on the bench? I mean, even if they've... I suppose it depends if it's a disciplinary matter, but I just think when you talk about the, the potential of coming off the bench and trying to sneak away and get back in, it just feels like a bit of a... bit dramatic, if that's the right word for it. Well, it depends, doesn't it? If, if the manager's demanding yeah. certain things from them, non-negotiables, as he calls them, then if they are delivering on that, then he's got two options. Either he doesn't follow up with his sort of threat of, of, of sort of a punishment for it, if you like, or, uh, you know, I demand you to do this, but if you don't do it, nothing will happen. doesn't really not going to work is it it's not there has to be some sort of repercussion for not doing what you know not doing something that he said is non-negotiable so if they are that worries it, me though have we had this all season is this if these personalities and these types of things are happening have they been happening all season and they've been clouded from us have, have they been kept to one side because surely Schumacher's come in and it's not all of a sudden the whole place has fallen apart and everyone's fallen out with each other like maybe we just didn't see we didn't have a strong enough manager before and to to deal with it maybe I'm guessing here obviously but 
I think maybe you've got two different styles, two different um, ethos, if you like, and then how he want how he plays and what he wants. And if you've got a manager now who demands real high intensity in your face, you know, fitness, 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 and um, we're a great team and everything. And if that wasn't something before. You know, if Alex Neal wasn't that big on those things, if he was concentrating more on other, you know, um, his different aspects of, of, of the the game, then maybe this is something that either isn't a, a strength of some of these players, and that's why they're struggling with it, or maybe they just don't see the, don't feel the need, if you like, for it, <laughs> and that's why they're struggling. It's tricky, isn't it, Lucas? Because we all don't know what's going on, right? We, we don't know the real reasons for them being dropped. Um, I mean, you could argue with Tyrese, it's down to maybe he's not renewing his contract and maybe for the Schumacher game, maybe he doesn't do enough work. If some people don't feel he does enough work. Haksabanovic for me, Lucas, I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a Schumacher type winger at all. I, st- I still think he's a little bit lethargic at times. And, and Vidigal, we've all seen how good Vidigal can be, but he's gone missing for a good portion of this season. So I think there's an argument to say that they're all maybe justified, but we'll never actually know, will we, until maybe in the summer when things start to come out of the wash, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be interesting this in the summer because we've just had one crazy one, haven't we? One bizarre one with, with all those players that, that, that came in. Um, no way it's going to be the same as, as, as last time. Absolutely no way. But I, they've got... They've got players that they could they could maybe get rid of if they're not in Schumacher's plans for for whatever reason, and um, and and that could that could then give him if he's going to be in conversation and communication with the kind of players he wants, and it, we don't obviously know what's going to happen in terms of recruitment and and how they'll decide on which players suit him. But you'd hope then that if there's been any mistakes in terms of of recruitment, and you know every year people sign a player that they probably say eh, maybe we maybe we should have gone with someone else in the end if they can if they can learn from those mistakes bring in players that suit Schumacher then then it's um and and not lose out on money that they've spent on those players then it's a it's a move in, in the right direction I think with with those players and it, you're right it is it's speculation at the moment and uh, and I think it would be unrealistic to ever expect to know what happens behind closed doors officially we'd never be, we'd never know because no football club in the right mind are going to come out really and say oh yeah me and this player said this to each other. it's just not going to happen so um all people can can do is speculate well what i would say in a, in a in a general in a general sense for any football team if you find yourself in a predicament where you need your players to dig in deep and and, and fight if you need your players to dig in deep and and play the heart out for the badge for the team for the fans if the player isn't willing to do that. I don't, I don't. I don't want them on the bench. I don't want them playing if they're not gonna. Yeah. If they're not gonna step up, I think that's. I, I we we don't want to sort of go into the old cliche. I just want them to run for the team and, and all that nonsense because we know it, it. It does take more than that. Of course it does. But they've 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 got to want it. They've got to they've got to care. It's got to be the worst thing in the world if 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 their club gets gets relegated. The club that they play for it has to has to be on their mind day and night, and they're determined to put it right. So if it's not if it's not something that that eats them up at night, then 
well, they're, they're not the right club and, and they probably shouldn't be involved in, in the battle that they've they've got ahead. No, I, I agree. We've had enough poisonous players at this club. I mean, I, I'm not, I won't name all of them, but if you think back to, you know, the, the likes of Vemmer and uh, Morris Bauer and people like that who were happily recording themselves going around training grounds, you know, laughing while we're facing relegation, stuff like that. We've had enough of that. So I think he's spot on. Like if, if you're not going to willing, willing to, you know, fight for the shirt and it doesn't make a difference if you're a so-called name of the club or anything, I agree. And I think most Stoke fans would agree, like, Go away. We, we, we don't need you um, because those people are, as I said, they're not going to break the back. They're not going to be racing back 50 yards to try and cut a defence out. They're just going to shrug their shoulders and go, not my problem. Um, we don't need that anymore. We, and I respect, we've really had enough. I respect Schumacher as, as well for, for setting those non-negotiables so early on. You know, he's come from, he's come from Plymouth where... You know, these these are players that he's almost that have almost grown up with him. You know, they've developed with him, and some have come along for the ride and and, and get the ethos. And and Schumacher's coming, and and he's and he's not going to, you know, I'll 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 play how you want to play. He's gone. Look, I've I, this is how I want to play. This is how I want you to set up for this game, and I want you to do what I expect of you because I'm the head coach, and and what I say goes. And and I've got a lot of respect for that because um, you need someone that is a he is the leader and he's acting like the leader and I think that's that's going to be crucial probably part of the reason Dan that Luke Cundall's getting in maybe because I think he's coming for a bit of stick I think unwarranted a lot of it he hasn't been great but again how many different variations of midfield has has the guy had to deal with so far so I don't think that helps him and he's you know he's He's clearly a player that Schumacher trusts. We talk about people being brought in. Obviously, he was one of the, the main ones he's brought in. We had to fight tooth and nail to rip up loans and move him over towards. So I think, what what did you make of Luke Cundall? Is he one that, again, is probably going to be one for next season? Um, I think so. I don't think we're seeing the best of him at all right now, personally. Not from the reports that we had. No, I think, I wonder whether he's one of those players that just goes under the radar. Like his sort of attributes and what his game is, it looks to me he just keeps the ball moving. So he doesn't do anything like massively eye catching at the minute. Whether he has and we just haven't unlocked it yet from him, I don't know. But for me, he looks like one of the players who he's always available. So whoever's got the ball's always got to pass on because he's always making himself free. And he, he gets it and he releases it. He gets it and he releases it. And he just keeps the ball moving. He just keeps moving around the pitch until either him or somebody else then has an opportunity to do something a bit more extravagant or in the, you know um, opening up a defence, if you like. But yeah, he just he's a lot of short, sharp passes and just just keeps. You don't see him dally on the ball, do you? He has it and he, he releases it quickly, and then he moves into space so he can really he can have it back if need be. Um, so, I th- but again, with them kind of players, sometimes you just don't get as much sort of um, attention and you're not as eye-catching, are they, as other kind of midfielders. Like we would say Berger earlier on, who's spraying, you know, 40, 50, 60-yard balls and hitting, you know, vicious shots on target from 30 yards. That's a bit more eye-catching than, than Kundal's sort of five-yard pass and move. Well, yeah, the likes of Glenn Whelan used to get exactly that type of treatment you know you wouldn't notice them and we certainly noticed them when he went so uh, maybe he'll become one of them uh, one final thing on the on the team before we move on to uh, obviously the goal that we conceded uh, Nathan Lowe I briefly mentioned Nathan Lowe 
I think it's fair to say he's not maybe up to championship standard just yet, and neither would he be at this point either. I think it's... I think it's a really good learning curve because one thing we were all talking about before the season was let's get low, let's get Tezgal, let's integrate them into the team, get them a bit of experience. I mean, I think if we hadn't been in the situation where we had, obviously, Gale's gone, and I think it was the right decision. I think Gale needed a change. Um, but beyond that, Nathan's got his chance. He's going to learn, I think, a hell of a lot uh, from this. So, I mean, Lucas, do you think that Nathan Lowe may be well it probably needs a loan to maybe like a league one type level just to build that bit of experience and and maybe build some confidence really you know it's funny because Dwight Gale obviously ended up at at, at Derby County um yeah. and I'm not sure of the kind of striker that that they needed and if if Gale suited them better but um I, I think he'd have really benefited from a from a, a playoff fight so he's he's involved in something where you know he's got to get his head down and, and and every game matters that's important for development but but also where he can be enjoying his football and and um and and the pressure's off a little bit in terms of you know um the, the, there's other options there it's not a relegation fight so it's a more enjoyable battle to try and get you get you up the table and, and to the top of it I, I i think he would have benefited well from going to one of those sides or a, or a bolton or uh, or, a, or or a pizza reports with you know I, I think i think so um for him to be involved in uh in a, in a scrap like he like he is it's going to be i think useful for him worthwhile mentality mentality wise and he's not someone that shies away is he you know he's not someone that sort of at the last minute passes it back because he's because he's frightened he, he gives it a good go and okay he doesn't get everything on target but i mean we forget how young the guy is uh, i spoke to him after the game against coventry um and, and he was he was just delighted to be involved and and I, I can tell he's genuinely proud to to be playing for stoke and it kind of goes back to only a point of he wants to win every ball he wants to to get in those positions to get a shot on goal he wants to fight for the badge and and you know he's going to be useful in terms of his determination maybe next season you know depending on the scenario depending on the situation uh, and if Stoke feel they've got enough enough depth it might do him some good to go to a, to a lower league low and I've got my eye on Emre Tezgal as well I think he's at a good club in MK Dons I, I, I hope he gets a few more opportunities between now and the end of the season because we know what a player he is um, but I think both of them develop him kind of away from the, the Stoke City spotlight as well where you know, fans are shouting week in, week out, you know, give up, give Emre a go. I mean, or give Nathan a go. And what if we do give Emre a go and Nathan a go and they don't score and then fans start getting frustrated. And when exactly. they're such, when they're such young talents, we don't want to put that kind of burden on them. Um, but I really like both of them. And I think, and or every time I speak to people from, from the club in the academy, they just think they're both, they're both exciting talents. And from what we've seen, I mean, they are maybe give them that opportunity if time allows to 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 ply their trade in a lower division to get some goals under the belt to get the confidence going, I mean it could be massive for them. Could be massive for them. It could be, and I think it's very easy to forget that the likes of Newcastle United were interested in these boys, you know, <laughs> earlier on this season, and we've obviously been able to tie them down. Like they had they had chances to go, and to much bigger clubs than Stoke at this minute in time. So like you've. You've got to give him credit for that. And like, you know, you mentioned mentality. Then absolutely, I think it's great that he's proud to play for the club. It's what any Stoke fan wants is someone that is as willing to to die for the club if, if needs be a bit strong, dramatic words. But, you know, you kind of get my, my point. Um, 
so okay, we'll we'll move on a little bit now to the goal. <sighs> it's so frustrating to lose a match like this. Now, again, Keane, I've made my views very, very clear on this guy all season. Um, I still think he's a liability, and I'm not going to change my mind on that. He doesn't do it on purpose. I totally appreciate it. But this is where, for me, I, I just I just think, I don't know what it is with him this season. We saw what he was last year, and he's clearly not that player now. Um, so I guess for him to give that ball away and for us to lose the game based on a stupid decision like that, it was a real kick in the teeth, to be honest, because I think beyond that, yeah, Coventry had a few more half decent chances that you know they would have hoped to have taken but without that we get a good point at Coventry and the whole mentality of everyone all of a sudden is different you know we beat QPR you get a point at Coventry you're going into Cardiff this weekend you're thinking actually if we beat Cardiff everything changes like the 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 mentality with one goal one mistake changes it I mean what what do you make to the actual goal itself Dan I mean I know I give Keanu a bit of stick. I think he deserves it personally. But um, what was he trying to do in that situation? Because there was no one on from what I could from what I could remember. Yeah, I felt for him a bit. I think Wilmot's pulled to the right and he's sort of behind him. Bonham's gone to the left of the goal to give him an option. But I think the crowd had been on his back a couple of times previously when he'd gone backwards and you just wonder whether it, that had played on his mind a little bit that he'd been getting a few sort of groans and stick from the crowd for, say, going back to the keeper and he thought, oh no, I'll go forward. And obviously the manager wants his sort of his full-backs, his, his full-backs slash wing-backs, whatever you want to call them, sort of to go into that sort of midfield area, don't he? And sort of you know, go into that central midfield. And I think that's where he thought he was heading. Um, he just didn't quite do it. <laughs> he didn't protect the ball well enough, did he? That was the problem. And I, I felt, like I felt like of all the players on there, I think his confidence at the minute is the, the most fragile of the lot. Yeah. And I say he's, he's coincided. He's tried to be proactive. He's tried to sort of move it into an area where we can sort of build something instead of taking the safe option. He's tried to be. Um, like I say, braver on the ball, something that obviously the manager's trying to instill into them, and it's just not worked out to that time. Uh, obviously, had your rights turned. And somebody made a point to me earlier on. They said that this is just our luck, though, because how many times do you see something like that happen? And had your right toes that ball, and it'll either go a yard behind his teammates or just in front, or his teammate will get it, and all of a sudden will be like, because all this, this this great chance has presented itself out of nowhere that he can't quite get his feet in order and and the defence can then sort of regroup in that sort of split second that they get. But no, had you right toes it, Callum O'Hare instantly just plays a perfect through ball to to um Ali Sims and Sims finds the bottom corner because Bonham's now racing across his goal. Um, obviously, like I say, he was out of position, thinking he was sort of you know, providing an option for for uh, Henry at the time. So yeah, he, all in all, it, it doesn't look great. I, I do understand what he was trying to do. Um, I think he he maybe just needed to be a bit more of aware of his sort of things. And I think 
like I say, Wilmot and Bonham both took themselves out of the game defensively in trying to offer something to him offensively, if you like. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. I mean, I guess to both of you then, take away that situation, do you think we get a point out of that? I, I think we do. I, I think we scrape it. I would say so. I think the you can tell how well we played in those Coventry fans for the last half an hour, even though they're one nil up and in the side, the top six in the league were very, very quiet. They were very nervous. Although we lacked that cutting edge, and how often have we said that, you know, in the last couple of years, that it was the final ball or just getting into that area to, to finish a chance. If we'd have had that, we could have easily bagged a couple of goals and turned that game around in that last, you know, in the second half. When them subs came on, we took it up a level. Um, the intensity went up from us going forward. Uh, people like Juno come on and he was sort of making things happen. Manoff looked sharp when he came on. Like I say, if that game was still nil-nil and Coventry had to just step out a little bit further to try and win it themselves and maybe leave a potential gap, we had them rattled at the back as it was. If, if the if the defence didn't have the added protection that they did get, I think we definitely could have gone on and say even won the game really in them dying stages. But yeah, I think they to be honest, they struggled getting that off for me in that last half an hour. It wasn't the same Coventry I think we've seen other teams face. I don't think. I'm not quite sure they just weren't quite on it for me a little bit. Uh, it's a shame we couldn't take advantage of it. Um, to be honest, but. I mean, Lucas, who was your man of the match? I think there was maybe one or two to choose from, but was there any particular person that stuck in your mind as, as deserving that? Do you know who I think I've been quietly impressed with over the last couple of weeks? And I know um, over time, over the season, he's, he's had people sort of that haven't been convinced. Um, Michael, Michael Rose. Yeah, I was definitely. I was impressed with Michael Rose on, on Saturday. Uh, and, you know, what, what you both said there um, in terms of, Okay, if they got a draw, they would have scraped it, and look that that mistake what was was frustrating. But Stoke did have their own chances, and I think there was a number of players that had, that had a couple of cameos. I mean, you guys um, touched on it earlier, Lewis Baker. I think Lewis Baker, and this is a bit of a spoiler for later, maybe, but I think Lewis Baker alongside Bouterberger when everyone's fit is. Oh, I'd, I'd say one of the f- first couple of names on the team sheet. So Lewis Baker was was again uh, was a was a was a problem for Coventry. Um, he seemed frustrated at times as well, but um, he, he applied the pressure. Um, they be they be m- my two. Um, a, a man who I was impressed when he came on, although although brief. Uh, and I think if we do go back to a sort of a, a four three three, I think um, he could be. A bit of a bit of a pain. I'd say Rose. I'd say I'd say Baker were my two. They 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 feel again like people that are willing to dig in between now and the end of the season. And, and I think we should be uh, we should be applauding that. Yeah, I agree. I I, I I I that's who I have chosen, and I think he was really good against QPR as well. Um, to be honest, so yeah, he surprised me. We we said very briefly the week that the McNally and. Rose partnership just seems to work for some reason. Uh, I think Ben Wilmot needs to up his game if if he wants to stay. We're big fans of Ben, but he's not been the same player. Um, I mean, Dan, who is your man of the match? Would you agree with us with Rose, or have you picked somebody else personally? Yeah, so my man of the match was actually Baker. Um, I thought he 
looked like he was the main threat sort of building from the midfield, obviously for the 90 minutes. I'd say we did pick up on the final 30, but I thought he was he was good. He was getting back. He was energetic, covering all the ground. Um, a couple of things, a couple of players I'd like to just sort of call out uh, in a positive way. Well, the one actually, I mean, the, 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 how we didn't concede in that first half when I think it was at Bonham um, tipped, I think right got a header and into the far post. Bonham tips onto the crossbar, and then he saves with his foot. And then he falls over here and he hits it and Wilmot heads it onto the post. And then they block another shot and then the ball just stops in the, the six-yard box. And Rose and Wilmot are just looking at each other like, are you clearing that? Am I clearing that? Yeah. <laughs> and, and he was like, you know, that... I think there was about three, maybe even four times during that where he thought, oh, this is in. Oh, no, OK. Oh, this is it reminded me of... Um, I think it was when we played Liverpool a few years ago. And it was like Begovic save, Begovic save again, Shawcross clear, Wilkinson clear. It was just like block, block, block. And I think yeah, they, they did it and the Boothan and behind just, just sort of rose as one together. And you thought, you know what, that's the kind of stuff that even when you're doing badly, the fans will go, you know what, they, they're fighting for this. They're putting yeah. stuff on the line. They're trying. They, you know, it's not a lack of effort that's seen us down here. It's just whatever else it is. Do you know what, Dan? Shout out, shout out, Jack Bonham. I, th- I actually thought he was, he was again, moments like that where he, he, he had to switch on and he stayed alert. And we talk about mistakes, but I mean, he was, he was, um, he was up for the, the task on, on Saturday. And I think there's been a couple of times when he's been called upon, especially when we lost Travers, where I, I've, I've been quietly impressed with him. So I'm glad he's had a little mention there. Yeah, I think he's been, I think he's a lot more solid this season than we've seen previous. Um, I what I think as well. What really let him down against Leicester, I thought, was his distri- distribution when he came in. Everything he just just pumps. I mean, Campbell's on his own once up front today. He just watched balls all day, just go like 10, 15 yards above his head, just watching him fly by. Go, what do you want me to do with that? <laughs> and he was just like again and again and again. I thought, why do you just keep why do you keep giving him the ball back? <laughs> what are you doing? Um, but then I thought on Saturday. He was yeah, he was very very good on Saturday. He was one of his better games, definitely, um, all all around. The the other person I wanted really wanted to give a shout out to uh, was Josh Loren because to come in from the cold, if you like, he's been injured you know quite a while. Um, obviously, ex club captain, if you like, and now he's seen someone else with the armband, so there's no sulking, nothing like that going on. He's come in and he gave a really good performance playing left wing <laughs> during a really yeah. solid hour on the left wing which is totally alien to him so I think when players do that I think it deserves a bit of a mention Matt not you know he's, he's not done enough to get himself around the match but you know what he's, he's gone out there he's put himself out of his comfort zone done a job okay well uh you can probably all rest for about four or five minutes now we've got some audio from glenn from the sky blues podcast i'm sure he's probably a little bit chirpier than than maybe we are but uh we'll have a rest no one wants to listen to me and uh, dan and lucas speak forever so uh take a quick listen to what glenn had to say about their one nil win over stoke hi my name's glenn and i'm part of the all things sky blue podcast team you can find us all on all social media platforms tiktok instagram youtube facebook and x i've been asking my thoughts on the one nil win for the sky blues at stoke on saturday um 
it was a pretty poor game, to be brutally honest. I don't think there was much quality on show. There was a bit of magic from Coventry City um, when Tavares fizzed a great crossing um, and Cov proceeded to miss three decent chances and Wilmot somehow managed to keep out Callum O'Hare's shot when it seemed easier for O'Hare to score than not score. Um, and that was the Callum O'Hare of a couple of seasons ago. Um, but after that, I, I thought Stoke contained Cov quite well, um, considering it was a bit of a mismatched team that Stoke put together. Um, there was a fair few surprise absentees, obviously. I think most Cov fans expect to see Berger playing. Um, and I, I probably thought that maybe Tyrese Campbell might have been involved. Um, I didn't expect to see the young lad, Nathan Lowe, play up front for you guys. Um, I thought actually he did all right, considering he's a youngster up against two, I'd say, experienced centre-halves in Thomas and Kitchen, but they've obviously been round the block and played a bit of football. Um, I thought he linked up play quite well. I thought Jordan Thompson at left-back did well, considering he got a daft yellow card. Um, I thought he did well against Tavares, who's got a bit of pace, and I thought he handled him quite well. I think Schumacher set the team up to kind of make Coventry play wide, um, which kind of was, a, I get the logic because we've obviously got Milan, Van Elwig, and um, Sakamoto, and obviously then we've got De Silva and Wright on the other side, or Palmer. They do link up quite well out wide, and then a hair floats either side. So you, we can overload teams out wide, and I think he was kind of shut the middle of the park so that we couldn't actually play through um, Stoke. Uh, the problem, obviously, with Cov is we didn't have Sakamoto starting, we didn't have Milan um, starting either. And, yeah, we were kind of just a bit slow and predictable and off it. So I think Stoke might look back at the game and think if they'd gone a bit stronger at the start and got the goal. I'm not convinced Cov had enough about them to, to score two goals to win the game. Um, I think we were quite wasteful of the opportunities we have um, and I think it was always going to be a bit of magic or a mistake and it was a mistake by Stoke playing out they kind of just fell into trap and we pressed quite well Wright's just nicked it to O'Hare O'Hare's played a lovely through ball to those Sims and he scores those sort of goals one touch finish finished it really well um, for a striker a couple of weeks ago we blazed one over from six yards out unmarked so yeah it just shows you how people's form can change um, and then obviously Berger came on, um, the South Korean lad came on, and I thought, and the Dutch lad played out wide, I thought you'd looked a bit better, but I don't ever think that Ben Wilson was really tested in goal. Um, I think Stoke huffed and puffed a lot. Um, and yeah, it was, I think from probably a Stoke point of view, it was kind of a frustrating um, end to the game. Um, Hadji Wright really should have sealed the sealed the win after he's a great run and he somehow managed to blaze it over. But um, I don't think Stoke were that bad. Um, I don't think Cov were that great. And I think it's just a typical game after a three-game week, really, for teams. And we, we obviously had a bit of travelling. Um, so we, rota- we rotated the team. But yeah, I, I think Schumacher... He's got something about him. I, I thought he played... I'll always liked his style. I thought he did quite well when Plymouth come to the CBS early in the season. I think you've got to back him. Um, I don't see these silly rumours going about as Gareth Ainsworth that he's a better manager than Schumacher. And I think he's just kind of getting a team together that works for Stoke. And, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of 
decent players there, but I think it's just piecing the jigsaw together. I actually thought Lyndon Gooch was one of your better players, and he normally plays right back and he plays right wing for you. So, yeah, it's just a bit of a mismatch. I think you just need to get a system that works, but, yeah, you definitely need points on the board sooner rather than later. Um, only, I think Millwall was slightly better than Stoke against his first half, so that would be a concern as a Stoke fan. Um, and I thought Plymouth were pretty decent against Colvin, probably deserved a, a win. So I'm not sure I'd see Stoke overhauling Plymouth. So, yeah, I think um, it's definitely going to be a, a tough end to the season unless you start getting wins under the belt. But Coventry, really happy. Seven points from three tough games against three tough sides. And we'll take that and we'll move on. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, we enjoy our trips to the Bet365 at the moment. Cheers, Glenn. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hopefully we'll talk to you again next season. Time will tell, of course, on that front. But uh, yeah, overall, relatively pleased, but also impressed by what we had to show for it as well, which relatively complimentary, I think, overall. He's open. we don't meet next season. He is, and he's, he's worried about what's coming next year when Shuey's had a whole season, whole summer rather, to, to go and sign some wonder kids, uh, probably half a Plymouth's team and stuff as well in the process. But uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll worry about that. So that pretty much wraps up, I think, the Coventry game. I think we've done that quite comprehensively. Um, what was the overall... Yeah, I was about to say, what's the overall <laughs> man of the match uh, results, down? We've had ours, we've had Lucas's, so uh, what was everyone else p- punting for? I thought you'd forgot that. I do apologise. No, so. don't you worry, don't you worry. <laughs> Third place, uh, Lewis Baker, 8% of the vote. Second place was Luke Cundall with 25% of the vote. And the winner with 44% of his vote is first of the season and the only second man of the match in the three years we've been doing this podcast, Jordan Thompson. <laughs> wow. And it, interestingly, not one that any of us pulled up. No. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> what was it? Obviously, Jordan Thompson, the ref on Saturday was the same referee who started the match when Jordan Thompson got sent off on New Year's Day. And he gave Jordan Thompson an early booking that day, didn't he? And then the other ref, I can't remember what his name was, he came on and giving the second one for sort of dissent, wasn't it? Literally, straight away, Jordan Thompson's in the book. And then <laughs> he's moaning. Every decision he was moaning, um, they were getting, like, give a free kick, he was complaining. We got a free kick, he was complaining. Half time, he walked off with the ref complaining. I'm like, are, are you are you asking for another red card? Would you, would you like to <laughs> early bat? Like, he he yeah. wanted a few days off, didn't he? I think he's one of them players who, like, he maybe he needs an argument, do you think, Lucas? Just needs somebody, like, a bit of aggro, get him going. Like, Come on, ref, give me something. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm getting a theme, really, of what we're talking about in terms of at least he's someone that just cares. It's just it's just refreshing to see that, you know, you, you know, at the end of the season, we look back on it. We can't say, well, Jordan Thompson didn't really try, did he? Because, I mean, he's been put on that left-back position and he has, maybe not every game, but for, for a, a fair chunk of them, I, th- I think he's looked really comfortable there. I think he's looked good there. And um, and and I I do quite like his attitude as well. I I, I like a, I, I, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a player that the opposition fans kind of love to hate, isn't he? A bit like Ben Pearson, where he's going to wind up the opposition, he's going to wind up the, the referee, and sometimes it's going to go against you. Other times, it's it's just quite funny to watch, isn't it? 
Yeah, well, good, good on Thompson because I think, as you say, I think he's really stepped up this season. Uh, I, I was a big critic of his last year. I think he was. I just don't think he suited the style of play. I think that's what it boiled down to in the end. I don't think he was used the right way, but you can't fault the guy for coming in at left back and just doing a job. I still I still think we've been weak there, but that's not his fault. It's not his fault that he's been asked to play at left back. Like it's it's Alex Neils and the recruitment team's fault for not getting a left back in. It's as simple as that for me and, and letting the likes of Josh Timon and stuff go when we didn't have adequate cover. You know, it Ender Stevens was never going to be a player playing an entire 46-game season. It's never going to happen. So I really don't get that bit of short-sightedness, to be honest. But that's a conversation for another time. We're not going to go back over that one again. So um, let's go into the news now. I think, Dan, we've got some under-18s and under-21s. And, of course, we'll break down and we'll have our basic view on the uh, rumours, shall we say. I think it's probably a bit kind calling them rumours, but uh, Dan, kick us off with the under-18s, under-21s, mate. Uh, So no game last week for the under-18s. This week, though, they travel to Derby on Saturday, midday kickoff at Derby's Academy. Uh, The under-21s, now they're getting a bit of an injection of first-team talent, as people are aware at the minute, and it certainly paid off for them uh, this week. So they beat Brighton 4-3 in a bit of a humdinger down at Clayton Wood on a Monday. Uh, Vidigal, Ujoic, Sidibi and Jeffers all scored. Taris Campbell was also present and playing in that match. Ryan Mai, though, didn't play. Uh, news coming out that he has an injury. So he's, he's got an injured knee and is going to be out for about three or four weeks, apparently. Um, this week, the under-21s travel to Aston Villa on Friday with a 7pm kickoff in that one. Uh, the women's team last week they they was travelled to Fylde, but it was postponed due to a waterlogged pitch last Sunday. Uh, this week they host Burnley at the Emirates Stadium, two pm kickoff on Sunday. Gotta feel sorry for the women because it feels like they've barely kicked a game of football. I think Lucas, you mentioned this the other night. Like everything's being cancelled constantly. It's such a frustration, isn't it? Um, you know, when you're in the, the third tier of of the women's league and. Um, I mean, you hear in the national media about the WSL and that, and that kind of really not being up to standard yet in terms of, um, you know, I mean, there was a game that got caught up maybe last year. They got caught off because of the snow when all the fans already got to the ground. It was caught off in kind of like half an hour before, and that was in the WSL. So it must be frustrating when, you know, these these girls that, that want to play football, um, you know, it's the first year of Stoke being semi-professional and... Um, Thanks to the weather, they've not got the facilities yet where they, where they can they can play week in week out. Because um, I think, as as it was mentioned, Arabella Sotti mentioned it the other day um, on my show that she was saying that one of the reasons that they've not done as well as they'd like to this year is because they want to they want to play more games but they can't because it's like stop start stop start because the game's getting called off because of the weather and stuff. So yeah, it is a frustrating one. I, I feel for him. I feel a lot for him. Well, hopefully we'll be back to normal soon anyway, because I think there's a, a lot of people who, who really enjoy watching it. And then me and Dan are, are going to go down and watch as well. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll absolutely see. Um, Dan, do we have to address these ridiculous rumours, I suppose? I suppose we've got to, help me? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> more than to try and tell people that they're ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but the amount of in the nose that come out of the woodwork and has skyrocketed this season. 
I mean, look, I'll let you guys, let you boys have, have your own opinion, right? I would absolutely pour my house on the fact that 95% of the crap that you see online is exactly that. It is utter, utter nonsense. People attention-seeking. I think, Dan, you said to me, like, you know, just people wanting to feel like they're in the know because if something does go wrong, they can claim that they, they knew about it, you know, rehashing it in a different language so that it doesn't look like they've copied exactly the same that someone's seen. I just think that, Luke, that one of the most ridiculous rumours I heard was that Ricky Martin's choosing the team. I mean, come on. Do you really think that Schumacher's gone from Plymouth to Stoke for Ricky Bloody Martin to choose the team? Come on, guys. You can't possibly be tweeting that out with any sense of rational thought. I, honest, I was I was speechless. I was like, is this what we've come to? Are people this down and this miserable about the club that we've got now got to resort to clearly making stuff up? I, I'll let you guys have your thoughts, right? But I just think it's utterly ridiculous, some of the crap that's come out. I really do. I, th- I think as well, it, sometimes it's the change in language as maybe giving people false sort of feeling about what what's going on. Like I've seen a few people say, well, he's not a manager, he's a head coach. So Ricky Martin can pick the team because he's just a head coach. I'm like, no, he'll still pick the team as a head coach. <laughs> that That is his job still. It just means as a manager, a manager is the all-encompassing, will literally control the football club. Whereas a head coach is like, you bring me the players and I'll I'll work you know, I'll go from there. Can you you put on the training ground and I'll go from there. I still believe as well, people are shocked that he's brought in two of his own players. Why has he done that? Well, of course he has. He'll still have a say on transfers. They'll probably bring him they'll they'll probably bring him a list of players that they feel have the attributes that he'll be looking for in a position. And then he will then sort of go, Well, that's my first option, that's my second. Quite like him if you can't get it other than that don't bother um, I imagine that's probably how it works I don't know I'm just <laughs> that's theorising but it's like he as a head coach he will definitely 100% still be in, his job role is still to pick 1-11 to 11 on a Saturday and the subs and be in total control of who plays who doesn't Um you know, what tacticals what tactical changes they make, what substitutions they make, it's all down to him. That is his job. Ricky Martin's job, no director of football anywhere involves picking the side. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean Lucas, I'm not sure if you've got anything else to add. I think me and Dan have hopefully been quite uh, passionate about it because I just I just think there's running down the club for the sake of running down the club sometimes. Um, and yes, things aren't all rosy. Things aren't great. We can clearly see that. But I think to make up stuff like this, it does more more harm than good, doesn't it? Nail on the head. That was the point I was going to make. Really, is is that um, I guess going back to a point we made earlier about we aren't ever going to know the conversations that are happening behind the scenes. We're not we're not going to be be privy to those. But as, as you touched on, Dan, common sense would say that that some of the stuff that we've been reading about this week it's just it's just not going to be true is it let's let's face it it's just it's just not going to be true my my take on it is it is times like this when we talk about we need to all club together and and 
and we need to show our support. And as cliche as it sounds, it is important. Why why are we seeing people arguing with each other on social media because X said Y isn't true, and what and and then Z isn't happy with the fact that someone said that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have a go at you because because. I think it is true. So let's have a fight about it on Twitter and we're just all arguing between ourselves. I totally get there's a frustration. Totally get that. But I think we've we've all got to sort of club together and go, I just want to see the team win on Saturday or on the in the midweek clash. That's all I want to see. Um, if you encourage the noise, people will, will be encouraged to, to, send, to spread more noise. Because we already know that there's be some people that see someone getting 20 30 40 retweets and think fancy a bit of that uh, i think people forget how people forget how easily word can spread now and how easily if someone says oh, i might just uh, you know you, you tell a light school and then a rumor starts all of a sudden the whole school thinks that something something happened that isn't happened it's become a little bit like that again it's going a little bit high school um my take is that just just, just, just talk about debate whether you think X player should be starting or not. But, but I think if um, if we start going down the path of of make believe or 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 things that we've got, we've got no real indication of being true. I think it's going to cause more panic, um, more toxicity as well. I don't think that's what anyone wants right now. I just don't. Enjoy, I don't enjoy reading it. I don't enjoy reading reading the arguments online. I don't enjoy no. reading people kind of falling out over over nothing. Um, debates are fine, but I think I think the way that people are are turning on each other at the end goal is everyone wants Stoke City to do well. So yeah, I, I don't I, I don't enjoy the rumours for the fact that it it it, it poisons it poisons the water in all a little bit, which I think is is not is not healthy. I've spoken to a few people this week that have said they've come off Twitter because they're sick and tired of seeing Stoke fans debating stuff like this. Um, and my, my dad, for example, like whether he sometimes listens, he sometimes doesn't. I don't think he can bear to listen to me anymore. But like. He he actually has started to unfollow Stoke fans. Anyone who starts talking about this, he's unfollowed him because he's sick and tired of seeing the same comments from the same people all the time. And you know, he wants to go on social media to see what he wants to see. He doesn't, and that goes for everyone. We don't want to see constant bickering and crap slinging, whatever whatever you want to call it. Right? I don't think people want to see that. I absolutely agree with you. Um, I mean, there's one thing creating some nonsense and there's another thing not liking ricky martin's activity in terms of recruitment if you think he's to blame if you think the recruitment to blame i think they've all got to take blame for the players you can't sign 19 players and you know i was talking to three people in the um the qpr game and i said okay out of the 19 or so players we've signed who's been a success and we struggled to get get past three or four so that says to me that clearly there's a bit of problem. Now, whether you think, and again, I saw some comments, and both of you are welcome to comment on it if you want to. Um, I saw some comments about, again, the whole John Coates situation coming up about whether John should be at the football club or whatever. And look, I will always stand by, and I don't don't need anyone to agree with me, I'll always stand by on the fact that we need this family because there is no other club, no other 
owners for me who are going to come in and just waste a couple hundred million quid. Yes, you can turn around and go, well, it's there. They're the one who have wasted the money, blah, blah, blah. They, you know, I think at times they put the wrong people in charge. That's my personal opinion. I don't. I wouldn't show. I wouldn't have chosen Ricky Martin. Who knows? Maybe Ricky Martin was the best option we had at that time. We, we again, we weren't there in the interviews. We don't know who was even interested in the job. Like even before that, when we had obviously Tony Scholes, you can't look at the recruitment we've done and think we've done an amazing job this summer. Whether that means he changes the those people at the top, we'll see in the summer. But. That's my thoughts. I'm sorry, I've been rambling for a while, but that that's my thoughts on it anyway. I I would just say as well that I've heard people saying, you know, about about sort of you know, John Coates and that, and you know, having too much control needs to bring football people in, and and all you go back and but the thing is right, you go back to last summer, there was a complete restructuring of the club. And you know what? He brought footballing people in to make these decisions for him. That's what he did. That's why, you know, that's why he took, Simon King is, takes charge of like uh, non-footballing operations, doesn't he? Is that right? Am I right in that? He, he does. And yeah. I, I'll be honest with you, yeah. no one can criticise him. I think he's done really well since he came in. Yeah, so it's like, well, Simon King will take things that don't do with football. And then um, Ricky Martin came in to do the football and stuff. A man with footballing pedigree. You can debate that all you like, whether it was the right amount and good football pedigree or whatever. But like you say, how do, we don't know who wanted that job or you know how they interviewed or whatever. But they did. They restructured. And now there is people, there is roles in place to put more experienced footballing people making those decisions. John Coates has stepped, I believe, stepped down a lot of the responsibility that he previously did have to allow others to to take those control. And he can and they will continue, and the family will continue to fund it. Obviously he's still going to have a say. He is after all the chairman of the football club and the and you know his family own it. Um so I think people are still banging the same drum they were 12 months ago and not sort of understanding that there has been a restructuring of the club and there are now, like I say, roles and people in there to to make those footballing decisions. So you've just got to, yeah. like I say, you've just got to let that sort of develop over time and, and that structure to settle. It may be that the people, people in certain roles now whether that be in directors of football recruitment or whoever, aren't the people that we go forward with and we replace them? We don't know. We are, we are again. We aren't privy to those kind of conversations, but we'll see in time. I'm sure. Uh, no doubt they'll be sitting down and reviewing everything. It's down to John if he doesn't think they're, they're the right people. I'm sure he will make changes. I mean, it is money, and you know, it, it's it's his football club as much as it is ours, I suppose. At the end of the day, uh, so. You know, he's going to make the decisions that make right for him. We might not agree with them all. Uh, I think he's made mistakes, but also I think he's made a, a lot of good as well in certain areas. And again, as much as the the club staff get, get slated, again, for me, I've spoken to Simon King a number of times, as you know, as part of the Sports Council. Nothing but good to say about Simon King. <laughs> uh, nothing good, yeah, I know he steps up then. Uh, but yeah, no, nothing but good things to say about Simon. I think he, you know, he took so much on board. 
I think he really does know what he's on about. We talk about football people and, you know, things like ticket initiatives and stuff like that. I think there's an example of someone who does know what they're talking about. Uh, again, that's my personal experience, and I think we are seeing improvements. And I do think they've got some really good people down there, you know, where there's, there's so many to mention, uh, Adrian Heath and and people like that, you know, Anti Emerson. There's, there's a lot of good people at this football club. So don't lose sight of the fact that we do actually have some really good people there. Um, it's not always doom and gloom, right? Um, anyway, we could probably talk forever on this, but let's, let's probably move on. Is there anything else that you boys wanted to cover off? Any bits of news or anything you've seen during the week that we may have potentially missed? One last thing on sort of these internet route, Twitter rumours and people, okay, want, people wanting information is, I think you touched on it on Lucas, that we, people, football clubs do not air their dirty laundry in public. It's never happened. I remember there's been <laughs> players over the years. I remember watching Terry Pulis nearly 20 years ago, and you'd be wondering why certain player, player X was never involved or player Y, and you'd never get an explanation. Nobody would ever tell you. And do you know what? Nor should they. Like people, people are desperate for information, right? So... The only two things, the only two clubs I can remember in recent memory who've come out and actually sort of aired a bit of dirty laundry was Troy Deeney at Forest Green, and he probably got the sack <laughs> and left, and um, Ten Hag at Man United about Jaden Sancho, and now they've got an £80 million player out on loan because that relationship between manager and player was irreparable after what was what happened. I don't know the no one knows the ins and outs, do we? We don't know. But he came out, he openly criticised him for whatever, and Sancho refused to apologise, I believe, and you know, that the relationship broke down. So if people want to see Ryan Mai back in the team and Andre Vidigal, Tyrese Campbell, whoever, um Haksabanovic, whoever's, you know, at the minute not on board with the manager, whoever whether those players are or not, that's what it seems from the under-21s being picked. We know that Ryan Mai did. Now, if the manager comes out and openly says everything, rather than giving the comments he did, not selected. Why is he not involved? Not selected. If he goes into full detail, well, actually, yeah, he's been messed about in training and he's not putting the efforts in and he's he's not doing great. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, I'm, I'm sick of him. I've had enough, so he's going to spend some time with the kids. And that makes that that transition back to the first team are a lot more difficult. Imagine the stick he'd come in for as well for calling it a player. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't win then. Yeah, the dressing room aren't going aren't gonna to appreciate that, especially if he has to then do it with two, three, four players. But the thing is, he can he can like deal with it in-house. He's already said, right, he came out to the beginning, he said, the players who do not do who do not comply with my non-negotiables will not be available for selection. So he's there, he's giving you the reason why. He does not need to go into individual cases every time somebody falls foul of it because ultimately all you'll do is alienate your players. And like I say, those relationships then will become very difficult to repair. And if if fans want those players back in integrated back to that first team um, by an improvement in their attitude and and work rates, etc., whatever it is that they're lacking, that they've been sort of excluded in the first place, then 
it needs to stay in house. It needs to be dealt with. I mean, you said three man, didn't you? Imagine if a boss of any, if you had a row with your boss and then you went around the office telling everybody and publicised what 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 you'd done or whatever, or if you, you know, he he sanctioned you for something, and then he went and told, oh yeah, by the way, got give give this guy a warning earlier on for such and such. It'd be like you'd have all th- yeah, there'd be all sorts going off, wouldn't there? Yeah, yeah, of course. What one thing I'd add for the social media thing as well is is. You know, I think because we get things straight to our phones now, you know, up, updates on uh, team news and everything. Think we get, we get, we get stuff so quickly. And you've got people like Fabrizio Romano and and David Ornst. You know, I know we're dealing with obviously um, uh, when I say bigger clubs, people know what I mean. It seems like your Man United, your Barcelona's of, of the world. Um, people sort of crave that immediate, that immediate bit of news. And I think because people have seen something on social media, it's immediately can go, let's react to this now. And then, and then it, this whirlwind begins. And I, th- and I think that's, that's, that's part of the problem. People sort of craving, craving news all the time, craving, craving instant feedback. And that kind of leads then on to, to speculation that people then believe as truth. And it's interesting. I've, sp- I've spoken to people before, um, at various football clubs for various different things and, and you don't believe I mean, they, they obviously see this stuff and they laugh it off because they're like where has where has that come from because so much stuff I mean with, with Manchester United as a, as a massive football club the amount of stuff that comes out of there that it isn't that isn't true half of it might be but until you, until you get it from a from a recognised source I think it's it's dangerous to believe it it's dangerous to to believe that stuff. You know, we saw we saw flashes of it when um, the club was searching for Alex Neal's replacement, and and we saw kind of what a meltdown social media went into then with with various with various rumours. I think it, I think it's it, it's important to kind of to wait until until it's confirmed. Wait wait until until we've got a, a real understanding of that of that to be the case. Um, I think if we all just kind of stay off our phones a little bit longer then um it might be a nicer time for all yeah yeah 100 percent. very well uh very well said mate and i think great way to close out this uh particular section so uh yeah if everyone's still got a bit of sanity after listening to, to that um then absolutely let's look ahead big crunch tie uh, against cardiff for the weekend say hello to a new era of mental health care Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Mr. Buxton, uh, stats, you're always that, that man. I don't have any for you this week. I thought I'd leave you to, to shine for this one. Oh, go on. Thank you for that, mate. I appreciate it, that is. Um, you're welcome. Uh, 54 meetings between these two clubs. Previously, 21 Stoke wins, 15 draws and 18 Cardiff victories. At Cardiff, we played 25 times. We have eight wins, six draws and 11 defeats. However, we have no win in our last seven matches against Cardiff, but five of the last six have been draws. Now, the only time that either team has scored more than two goals in a game in the last 18 years of this fixture was both in the same match, was when Cardiff came back from 3-0 to draw 3-3 at the Bet365 Stadium in October 2021. Oh, don't give me flashbacks. Oh, no. That's locked up well away. Uh, Stephen Schumacher, this is his first match uh, managing against Cardiff City and also his first match against the Cardiff manager at Baloo. Baloo. Calm yourself down, dog. <laughs> Baloo against Stoke. Uh, he has uh, one match previously, which was a 0 0 draw at the Bet365 Stadium in November. Stoke's away form has some 16th in the away table with 16 points. Uh, three out of their last four wins have been away from home, though. Uh, in their last five matches, we are 22nd in the form table with three points. Uh, Cardiff's home form, they are also 16th in the form t- in the home form table, though, rather than we are away. Uh, they have 21 points from their home games, uh, but they have not scored at home since Boxing Day. 403 minutes they've played at home since they last scored a goal. And in their last five matches, they are 20th in the form table with four points. Now, Cardiff have scored in ju- have scored just five goals in their last nine matches. Stoke scoring six in their last nine. Uh, those are games since Boxing Day. So neither team is in great goal-scoring form there. Uh, but whilst Cardiff have outscored their XG by over three goals, scoring 34 to an XG of 30.9, Stoke are the league's big underperformers, a massive 8.1 goals underperforming their XG. So they've scored 28, but XG says they should have scored 36.1, which is a massive difference and a relegation fight, isn't it? Uh, Cardiff seem to struggle, uh, seem to struggle to get forwards. So they sit in the bottom three for both progressive uh, passes and progressive carries. So that is where the ball has moved ten plus yards forward in in the middle or the attacking third of the pitch. Um, in by I think it's six passes or more. So they struggle really to progress down the pitch. They like I say in the bottom three for both carries and passes. Uh, Stoke's save percentage for the goalkeepers is 70% this season, which is the sixth highest in the division. Cardiff's 63.6% of shot saves is only better than Sheffield Wednesday. So Cardiff right the way down on that. The keepers got holes in the gloves, it seems, down there in South Wales. Uh, ex-crew fullback Perry NG is Cardiff's top scorer with five goals this season uh, from just 20 shots as well. Whilst their forward... Uh, Mate has just the one goal from 36 efforts. Uh, wow. Nat, Phillips, <laughs> Nat Phillips, though, I've had a good start to his Cardiff City career. He's joined on loan, Ante from from Liverpool. Uh, he's won eight out of nine tackles and blocked five shots on target so far in just four matches. So they're struggling to score just as much as we are. I mean, Christ, <laughs> they're 
their fullbacks, their highest goal scorer. I mean, we think we've had it bad, right? I mean, they must be pretty <laughs> down on the dumps about that. Yeah, I mean, if Lyndon Gitch keeps going, he might not be far off. He's got a couple, hasn't he? He's chasing down Vidigal. Yeah, um, I was going to say, Vidigal must be up there along with Berger, although I think a couple of Burgers no, come Berger, on top. So yeah, I think Berger's only got the three. Because I was yeah. already myself to say, you know, after the QPR, I was already myself to say, yeah, Berger, it's great as we could do with him adding a couple of goals, you know, just to help us get a couple of wins. And then he went and scored the winner against <laughs> against QPR and thought, well, they even need to say anything. <laughs> so he'd done it. <laughs> um, the referee, Anthony Backhouse. So 18 games he's ref this season, 84 yards, one red, he's given three penalties. Uh, 10 home wins, three draws, and five away wins. Although his championship uh, record is the lowest of all the leagues for home wins. So just 40% of his championship matches have been home wins. Uh, he's ref Stoke on two occasions. He's given us one yellow, no reds, no penalties involved in our matches. We have a win and a draw. Uh, the last time he refed us was a nil-nil draw away at Coventry in November. Uh, he's ref Cardiff also on two occasions, giving them four yellows. Again, no reds, no penalties. They also have one win and one draw from his, his two games. And he has ref them once this season as well, which was a 4-0 win away at Huddersfield in October. Uh, on this day, just to round off this stuff, so Saturday the 24th of February 1934, uh, we had our first ever victory at Villa Park. Uh, Joe Johnson's double gives a 2-1 win and it was our 20th game at Villa <laughs> and the first time we'd managed to get a win. That's all top of your head, Dan? Yeah, absolutely. He's memorised this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Anything for the pod. Anything for the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Good work as always, Mr Buxton. Well done. Um, I mean, speaking about Cardiff, right, so I was... I was keeping an eye on it. I was listening to to bits and going online, just having a look at what the Cardiff fans thought. I think by and large, and I think Sky Sports said something similar. I think the game against Blackburn they had in the week, while they had a bit, you know, more shots on target and stuff, you know, they weren't a very high possession team. And I think they were just saying it was an utterly boring game. So I can only imagine that those five shots on target were... Um, yeah, one of them ones where it just rolls into the keeper's hands and it's not really a shot on target, but... I think they're there for the taking, personally. Um, and as much as I've already predicted a, um, a loss prior to this recording, I do think this is the type of game where you look at them fixtures going forward that, that I think we, we could get something out of Cardiff. I think the fact we're not playing at home probably helps us. We kind of know that home is not where the heart is at the minute. So I definitely think there's definitely an opportunity there. I mean... The fact that I didn't even realise about the goal scorers until you just shouted up the stats, Dan. I, I didn't realise that that's how bad it was uh, for them, personally. Uh, I mean, you know, Luke, they, they... I mean, if you look at where they are on the table, right? They're, what, 14th? They've got a total of 41 points. Realistically, they ain't getting into the playoffs. They're not going to get relegated. As far as the team goes, I don't really think they're playing for anything, personally. So... I think this is exactly the type of team that we really need to go and try and get three points from. And I think it boosts everyone. Um, I spoke to uh, one of the uh, the Cardiff City podcasters, uh, the review from the Ninian, and uh, I was texting him today, actually, uh, and he called it the depression derby. Um, just because since they've come down, it's been a bit miserable for them. 
Um, since Stoke have come down, we obviously know how uh, the last couple of years have gone. So I think he's uh, not. Uh, I think not looking forward to to the game would be putting it lightly. Um, I do agree, though. I think this is probably a game coming at a good time for Stoke because. I don't, you know, I know they lost against Coventry. And we, we have pulled it apart there, as we we all kind of came to the conclusion of. There was positives from that game, you know, the, the QPR game, the second half of care, I would call it a necessary evil, in terms of how, how Stoke sat back. But again, there was confidence from that. They've not been Sunderland, Leicester, and Blackburn were the three where you're going, oh my god. Since then, it slowly but surely, it's a, it's a a better upward trajectory. So a team like Cardiff could be a team for the taking. It's the kind of team you want to be playing when you're when you're in need of a win and when you need to get in that that confidence boost once again. Not as straightforward, I think, as as we might think. And and Cardiff are a, a, again a, a pretty dull team to watch. Stoke, especially at home, have, have struggled to to break down sides. So whether they can do it away from home against Cardiff, we'll have to wait and see because I think they're going to be one that that sit back but if they don't give it a go then there'll be more fans kind of up in arms I think they've got to really give it a give it a good push and like you said there Mike they are they are there for the taking it's about where the Stoker are, are brave enough to with, with how they approach the game I suppose yeah and if you look at that where they are as well mate and their, their, their home form table what the 16th in the division like They've won six, drawn three, lost seven. They've scored only 18, which I know is probably more than we have in the whole season. It feels like that way. Uh, they've scored 18. They've conceded 20. So they actually concede more than they score at home as well. So that's pretty encouraging if I was if I was a, a Stoke fan. I mean, again, like, look at the table in terms of how many goals they've conceded over the course of a season. They concede a lot of goals. So... You know what? I don't think there's anyone to fear going there. And if I'm Schumacher, I'm absolutely riling them up for this and making them aware of how important this game is. And if if we win, I think everyone comes away there feeling relatively confident because, like we've already said, you know, a few times, the fixtures going forward are pretty brutal. You know, we 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 get Cardiff out of the way. We've got Middlesbrough, Leeds, Preston, Norwich, Hull. That's a challenging few games. But I think, like Dan's touched on, Dan, you're welcome to to join in. But you know, you you said the other day, you know, if you, if we we pull out a win, all of a sudden a little bit more pressure comes off. If you know, I don't know Coventry don't win, and you know the the teams around us maybe don't win. If we start to pull away, maybe the, they play with a little bit more freedom, and especially if we've got battlers in the team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, QPR. They got a good result, didn't they, um, last week? And I think they have got a very, not an easy game, I don't think, but I think Rotherham they play this weekend, QPR. So, again, at that home as be, well. Rotherham get nothing away from home, really, do they? No. I mean, they, they, had a, they had a good effort, actually, Rotherham the other night, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, as a rule, then, yeah, they're not great. Yeah, we, we said, well, was it was it the only win on a... They only win in midweek games, don't they? Away, they don't win on the weekend. <laughs> so, so yeah. So QPR, you'd imagine, will be looking to get three points on Saturday. So it's going to be, it's going to be maybe even a necessity to get something from the game just to keep that barrier between us and them. And at this point, it's now looking. I mean, Millwall, the ones are they now who are looking 
very much like they are going to be the you know, it's sucked into that relegation zone. I mean, they've sort of pressed the panic button today as well. They? I mean, they brought Neil Harris back, um, who I believe was in charge before Gary Rowett was even there. So a few years ago. Um, and they're away to Southampton, mate. So good luck with that. Yeah, who've just lost two out of the last three. So you imagine that they're going to be, you know, they've probably had a bit of a, you know, a bit of a sit down and, you know, let's get back on track here, lads, kind of meeting the last couple of days. Uh, they're going to be like making amends for them games. But yeah, Neil Harris, I think he's, he got sacked by Gillingham in League Two earlier this season. He took the Cambridge job in December in League One and now he's managing the Championship of Millwall. How's he managed that, by the way? How's he managed to go from sacked in League Two, uh, a middling job in the League One, and now he's, he's back in the Championship? I mean, that is that is some rise, isn't it? I, I think it's all to do with the fact that he's like an actual hero there and so he's like a real hero and I think it's to appease fans because apparently there's a lot of unrest down at Millwall he will be um, if he keeps them up that's for sure uh, Mickey who does the the uh, Millwall podcast uh, it's also called that Millwall podcast and he said like you know it's a bit different down here when when we um, it's a bit different like when it when it goes off when, when we've had enough he goes it, it, it's pretty serious and I wonder whether Neil Harris has been brought in just to try and stem that if more than anything else. Like even if the results don't improve, at least they've got somebody there who they'll give a bit of time to and they'll just sort of maybe like it'll just take a lot of that negativity away and they'll get behind them maybe. Yeah. Possibly. But I, I, I like you say, I think there's there's a we've got to get something out the weekend. Just because again, QPR will probably get something. Sheffield Wednesday at home to Bristol, they'll probably get something out of that. Bristol had positive signs towards the start of the season. I think they've just really become a bit of a nothing team this this year for me. If I'm honest, um, obviously Millwall, I still think they'll lose to Southampton uh, unless they have the new manager bounce, uh, which obviously was Todd's law. It, they're they're going to get it now, aren't they? But I, I absolutely think we do need to get something out of it for those other fixtures. But I think what we'll do, we'll take a bit of a breather. Uh, we'll have the opposition audio. Uh, so Tom from Cardiff has been in touch as well, so we'll get his thoughts. And somebody you might know, uh, Mr. Yeomans. So uh, Mr. Graham McGarry is, as you know, probably on this podcast every mm-hmm. single week without fail for the last three years. And uh, we'll have a listen to what he had to say as well. To be completely blunt, uh, Cardiff are at a bit of a low ebb um, at the minute. You know, we've had a real rough time of it lately. Um, tonight kind of just summed it up. Um, we drew nil-nil at home to a pretty poor and uninspired Blackburn team. Um, and even still, we couldn't we couldn't beat them. Um, and it's a shame because it's a complete 180 of the early optimism that we saw at the start of the season where we were playing, you know, a new, different kind of exciting football. We were a bit more ruthless uh, going forward, but it's all petered out pretty rapidly and you know we've gone from thinking about maybe getting a playoff finished now being included in a screenshot of the lower half of the table to show how tight a relegation fight could be going into the last few months of the championship this year and I don't think we're going to be in the conversation for relegation but it's just such a such a blow when you know there was all that early optimism about you know this could be real exciting season of change um and now, just to see how quickly it's all sort of fallen to pieces a little bit, it's, it's just really disappointing. You know, we've not won at home since the 9th of December, and since 
that win at home. We've only won three times. And it's just we're just taking a step backwards again. We're not playing with any sort of attacking aggression anymore. We're not really giving it a go against big teams like we saw earlier in the season. And even if we were losing those games, at least we were having a go. But it's just really, really negative football. Um, we look like we don't know what we're really doing at times. Um, and we've just been really poor in front of goal. Um, you know, we had countless opportunities against Blackburn tonight and just couldn't do anything with it. Just far too wasteful. Um, the only thing that's kind of keeping me into thinking that we could get something Saturday is the fact that Stoke are having a little bit of a rough time with it as well. Uh, okay, fair enough. You want against QPR, maybe that could be a little bit of confidence going into it. But, you know, the. The form record for both teams isn't amazing at the minute. Um, it's one I could see going either way, in all honesty. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's just another uninspiring 0-0 draw. But I'm going to try and be optimistic. Um, I went into this week uh, saying that I would begrudgingly accept four points out of the two games we got. We got the one tonight against Blackburn. And with that in mind, I'm going to try and stay positive and say that Cardiff are going to win 1-0. Not particularly exciting, not particularly inspiring, but just to get a win on the board will be absolutely crucial. Hello there, once again, you positive predictors. It's getting harder by the game to see which way it's going to go for Stoke City. Well, they're off on their travels, of course, down to South Wales this weekend to take on Cardiff City. Mid-table at the moment in the Championship table. Don't look as though they're going to be involved in a playoff race or a promotion battle or a relegation battle so they look safe and sound for their season but it's always a difficult place to go when you head down to Cardiff City and Stoke City need to get rid of those away day blues and quickly can they do it this weekend there isn't a lot of confidence behind which, which way Stoke are going to go with this one but I'm going to go for it I'm going to hope that it all turns right for Stephen Schumacher, his coaching staff his players and those fans who will be making the journey to once again show their passionate support to the team in red and white striped shirts Cardiff City nil, Stoke City 1 Lovely, cheers chaps, much appreciated uh, so yeah Cardiff, I mean Tom you, you're clearly not exactly uh happy i don't think to say to say the least and uh lucas uh mr mr mcgarry is quite a positive man going for a one nil win mate i like it i like a bit of optimism um he said it's obviously very similar things to yourself in in the uh you know cardiff are kind of just they're just kind of phasing out now aren't they their season it's not looking like they're going to go down probably won't have any chance of fighting for a playoff spot either um so it's about, as we touched earlier, taking advantage of that. So I, I, I don't hate his prediction. I don't hate it at all. He's very good at scoring towards the top of our prediction table. So I don't think Dan's probably got one to hand at the minute. But um, I think he did. He win it last season, Dan. Uh, he did. He won it since he is currently leading it again. Yeah, and to think that we're the Stoke fans, it clearly shows that we're very blinkered uh, one way or another. <laughs> Mystic McGarry, that's what he is, Mystic McGarry. <laughs> Someone's got to come up with a picture of him though. and a crystal ball in front of him. Um, someone's got to <laughs> do that and the graphics somewhere. Any photoshoppers out there? Yeah, that's, that's AI. AI will do it for you these days. It's a great point. It's a great point. <laughs> there you go. Um, so... Lucas, you're obviously the special guest. Now, just imagine that you are 
the new manager. I mean, you've interviewed enough new managers at Stoke in the last couple of years. I'm sure you, you're very, very good at this now. Um, if we need to put a team out there this weekend, what is your team? I'll point you on the spot. Oh, do you know what? <laughs> uh, right. Okay. I'm going to start off with with maybe one that um, maybe will not surprise people from from the start. I'm 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 keeping Bonham in goal. Okay. I would keep I would keep Bonham in goal. I think as we talked about Cardiff for the taking, and and I I just I'd like to see something a little bit more positive. Um, airing on the side of of Dreamland here, but um, let's let's go with I'm going to go with Shamadu at right back, Wilmot. And Rose, the centre backs, and I'm going to put Gooch at left back. Actually, I quite like I quite like Gooch on the left. Um, although we can just play anywhere, can't he? I'd go Berger, Baker, Laron in midfield. I'd give Kundal a break, although I wouldn't be against having Kundal in there, and probably instead of instead of Laron. Um, my front three is kind of going into dreamland of it all working out and everyone being happy. <laughs> um, I'd go right wing, uh, Manhoof, left wing. Junho, even though I prefer him in the centre, but you know, neither are must and my short on wingers. Uh, and then Nylanis up front. I I just feel as as though right now that's the side I want to see. Whether it is the best, um like we don't really know because we've not really seen enough of the of the new lads yet, but um that would be my ideal my ideal team on uh, on Saturday. And I think I I think they're all players that we'd we'd trust to get the job done as best they can. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great shout. I mean, mine's pretty similar to yours. I mean, I'm assuming for your centre-backs that you we're expecting the McNally's still out. Is that kind of where we're going with? Yeah, I yeah. mean, I want to I want to give Wilmot another another chance because you say it's not been straightforward for him since he's been back in the team. Um, we, I mean, this probably wasn't a thing that people thought we'd be saying a couple of months ago, but I think I think Rose Rose gets in there uh, by default now. I think he has to he has to be one of the one of the two centre-backs. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I think that's just it. You would that with the front three and the midfield three, you can go a few different ways with this. So mine's the same as yours. I think I have put Iverson back in as long as he's able to play. Um, I think it's probably it is a harsh on Bonham. I think, but still, uh, Iverson will go to the goal. Junior at right back, absolutely. I think we've got to drop Henry. Uh, I just. Well, you know my thoughts on him. Uh, Rose and then McNally. But yeah, absolutely. If McNally's not fit, then Wilmot comes in. I'm with you, Gooch on the left. I think we've seen what Gooch can do at times on that left-hand side. He had a real you know, bright spell, I think, before he picked up a little bit of a knock and stuff like that. So a bit, I want to see him come back into fruition. Midfield three is really tricky for me because I agree with you. There's so many different ways. Um, I'm going to go... I'm gonna go Burger, Baker, and Ju- and and Juno. Actually, I think I'm gonna have Baker's that more sitting of the midfielders, if you like. I was flirting with with Pearson being that person, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna go Juno in there just to give us a little bit of spark with with Burger, and then my front three is almost the same as yours. So I've got Manhoof, Ennis, and I've got Larice um, on the right, actually. Only reason being because I think I don't think he's gonna bring Tyrese back. I don't think he's gonna bring Hacks back. Um, obviously, May's injured. I think we're a bit limited on options, so I just think he could bring Manuf to the left and put Larice on the right. Yeah, I like that. I actually quite like that. I think, and I think Larice is a bit of a battler, isn't he? So um, it could yeah. come in handy. Yeah, I quite like that. And he's doing a good game. I think there was there's been bright sparks from him this season. I just think, I think he's struggled to find his feet in recent months for me. But mm. th- there's a there's a player in there. 
Yeah, I'm, I've I've been I've been I've been happy with Mudlaris. I, I don't think he's he's taken a lot of the of the plaudits, but um, he's 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 been reliable enough, hasn't he? I think. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Mr. Buxton. Are, are your your teams dramatically different to ours, or? Uh, no, it, if you compare it to um, to Lucas's side. I've only got two different, uh, two um, like alterations, if you like, and ironically, they were both the ones that were the most difficult decisions to make. <laughs> um, in that, I had Everson in goal, and I was like, do I leave Bottom in? Do I put Everson in? Everson's obviously coming for a reason, but Bottom's not done anything wrong in his last, you know, last week. Um, and then the other one is I've got Kundal playing with Baker and Berger, and it was like Kundal Loren. Loren, does he deserve to play the medal? Because obviously, you know, he put the shift in last week. Is he going to provide more of a sort of, you know, battling kind of qualities? Um, and then we can maybe bring Kondo on later. Uh, but yeah, I went for Kondo and Everson. He's uh, got Manoff, Juno and any sort of front. Uh, what I do like about Lloris, by the way, if he does, if we go with your sort of team and he plays, is he wins so many headers coming in off that right wing, doesn't he? Which you know was something that we really yeah, expected from him, and you think now he's got somebody with the pace of any sort of front. If he can be, he can be the mammoth to, to Ennis's Ricardo Fuller, if you like. You know, just winning them flick-ons. Eventually, one's going to drop in. You know, behind the he's going to get in behind the defence at some point, aren't you? Um, so yeah, that could be a, a tactic to use. I'm just having a look uh, in the card if left back is. It's uh, Jamilu Collins. So I'll be honest, I have no idea if he's any good no. in the hour or not. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Can't think of every other guy. Um, okay, interesting. And I suppose the crunch question to both of you, and I'm going to go last so that I can just copy off one of you if I agree. Um, score predictions. Dan, I'll come to you first. What, what are you going for? I'm going to back up Mr. McGarry and go with a, a scrappy, but decisive, uh, well, delightful 1 0 victory. Okay. Um, we're not going to make it and the same for you, are we, Lucas? Or are, are you going to you going to cop out, mate, and go with, with Graham? <laughs> so I was annoyed when I heard Graham's prediction. I'm annoyed <laughs> that I heard Dan's because I was thinking 1 0. I'm going to go 2 1. Uh, and I'm going to say that Monhoff is going to get his, his his first goal as well. I reckon. I, I think two one. And I, and and the do you know what the weird this is a weird thing to say. The dream scenario is Stoke go behind, but they fight back and get two goals. Because what what would that do for their confidence? Yeah, yeah, that show the fight and desire and passion, whatever you want to call it. It show all of that, wouldn't it? And uh, yeah, uh, that's the type of thing that could really really galvanise the players and. At the end of the game, you just see him in front of the away fans, fist pumping in the air, and uh, you know high fives and everything. Just, just getting the fans back on side. It'd be so nice to see that for once, instead of uh, arguments in front of the stand. So, uh, even even reproducing the Nathan Lowe last minute winner like we did at Bristol City. Oh, I imagine. Oh, yeah, I'll take that. Uh, you know what you've done? You've both convinced me to change my prediction. This isn't. Oh no. <laughs> um. I was going to go one nil Cardiff. <laughs> um, I can't do it now. I'm feeling too positive after this conversation. Um, <laughs> I can't go one nil Stoke either because I've just criticised you for going for that. So, all right, two nil Stoke. 
I don't know who the oh, hell's going to score. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll go two 0 I'm clearly delusional. Um, but yeah, let's have a full house of Stoke win predictions. Eh, I'll bring us back down to earth uh, next week, of course. But let's go with it for now. I mean, I think that's pretty much it in terms of the Cardiff stuff. Um, now. I mean, actually, before I assume that, that's, the, that's it. Dan, is there anything else you wanted to add to that? Or are we are we going into the Super 6 gaffer and, of course, the dreaded Six Towns quiz? No, I mean, I think if it is good, I think it is going to be a, maybe a bit of a tense game to out-of-form sides. I'd say if it is going to be settled by one goal, looking at the sides, I mean, they've got what? They've got Josh Bowler... Um, I know Colwell's quite highly rated, into, but other than that, I think I just think we've got. If it's going to be like a, a moment of inspiration or something that's you know just wins the game out of nowhere, I think you, know, you look at people like Berger, Lewis Baker, uh, Manhoff looks like he's got that in him. Um, obviously, any he's got, you know, he's got a decent goal record. Juno's he's due one to fly in the top corner, I feel. I just feel we've got if it is gonna come down to one moment, we just have more which is strange to say for a team that never scores any goals. <laughs> we have more players capable of just producing that at one moment that he's in. Oh wow. Baker from a free kick or something like yeah. that. Only takes that one little spark, doesn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. All right, good. Well, Let's go to Super 6. Uh, there was a game, well, set of games tonight. Now, last time I was looking, Mr. Buxton, I'm not sure if we've got the final scores on the doors just yet. I'm, I'm frantically logging in as I speak, but do you have them in front of you? I do have them in front of us. So we both scored six points this week. Uh, Oof, that's not great, is it? It takes me to 306 and 49th overall. Uh, it takes you to 293 and 62nd overall. Uh, there was a joint, so three people got 14 points. Keith Thompson, Phil Council and Adam Boehner all got 14. Uh, Sean Flanagan retains his top spot with 265. Nicholas Shates is in second uh, with 362. And Michael Gadget has 358. And can I just ask, Mr. Yemens, uh, why are you not in our Super 6 League? Do you know what? Um, it's one of those things where I keep saying to myself, oh, I'll do Super 6 this year, and then I just don't do it, and then it gets to, like, November, and I'm thinking, oh, it's too late now, isn't it? Um, <laughs> is it too late to join? Is it too late to join now? You can join at any point that, that you want, and you'll you'll automatically go into it next season as well. So if you want to just That's do it... That's probably a so... good idea, then. If I just do it now... Um, yeah. Although I, I think I've... Because I've forgotten my... Oh, no, I've logged in. I've lo- I can do it right now. Bear with me. This is, this, is gonna, this is we can do this for next time. It's very exciting. You can. If anyone else listening wants to join it, the pin, the the, the league's just literally called every step along the way. Pod quite inventive. I, I'm sure you'd imagine. <laughs> and uh, the the pin is X Y seven H eight T. So there's 161 of you in there at the minute. Um, you join or go in every season. And what, what I'd say, Lucas, don't do what me and Dan do. Like I've missed two weeks now, and that's put me like 10 points behind or whatever, which has completely messed me up. Um, but put a reminder in there for every Monday to do it, because even if there's midweek games, you won't forget. So put a reminder in your phone. and then. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nightmare for doing a fancy league. Uh, I'm, I get to like... If, if 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 there's a midday kickoff and I miss the the uh, the deadline by like five minutes and then I realise I've I've captained 
some right backs was trying to be clever the week before and then <laughs> they've now got Man City the next game. So, yeah, I'm terrible for it. Terrible. Well, there you go. If you set it on a Monday with Super 6, you're laughing, so don't worry. And speaking of uh, failed people in fantasy football, uh, Dan, how are you doing the gaffer, mate? I'm up another play. I've, this season, I just need to go on a few months longer than it's going to, and I might be up in the top 10. So I went up a position last week. I've gone up another one. I'm up to 34th on the gaffer table now. 88 points I got this week, 1,870 overall. So that sounds good. 28 points, not bad. Well, the top scorer last week was Where's Wally, who got a round figure of 200. Bloody hell. <laughs> uh, he did use one of his boosts, though. Uh, but he did it boosted him right the way up to fifth in the overall standings. Uh, Stoke is Bay, after his one week off top spot, has reclaimed the uh, the gold medal position with 2771 overall. Uh, at third, Joe dropping down to second with 2745. And Mr. Kai, Mr. Kadri, 2702, is just clinging on to third place with a bit of a battle hotting up beneath him. Uh, so, yeah, you can, you can join Gaffer as well next season, Lucas. We'll get you in all these things, mate. Fantasy I love football, it. I, the I'm, championship. I'm in. I'm in a very serious league where you have to uh, put 25 quid in every uh, every season, and the, the pot gets bigger and bigger. And I'm currently 31st out of 40. So if, if that's uh, any sign of of my successes this season, um, then uh, that will obviously whet the appetite. People that will see me in their league next year and think he's nothing to worry about. Is that a uh, is that a Radio Stoke league? Or is, or is there a few people you want to call out and, and uh, shame for their points tally? It's it's it's, it's actually uh, with a bunch of of lads that have worked for Crew Alex. <laughs> right, okay. Um, yeah. It's the brother of it's the brother of Peter Morse who uh, summarises Crew Alex games with Graham McGarry that set it up, and uh, I've tagged along for the ride, and I'm not impressing at all. How, how are them two doing? Are they are doing really badly? Are they uh, smashing it? And, uh, oh, and another another name that people will have um, will have probably hoped to hear over myself this evening. Uh, John Akers is in in that league and he's top at the moment. So um, yeah, I've got I've got a long way to go to to prove my worth. Shocking. Yeah, disgraceful. But you you'll you'll get there. But you, join join the Super Cheers, Six, lads. mate, and we'll, we'll be we'll, we'll be laughing. Don't worry. I will. I'll um, be in it. Now, this is where we turn a great pod into a bad one because me and you absolutely shocking at the uh, six towns. But maybe with you here, we might be able to get through it, depending on what Dan has decided to choose for this week, which, like I said to you on, uh, on message, he's probably going to come up with something like top goal scorers from 1865, between 1865 and 1866, anyone who scored between the 10th and 12th minute. Something stupid like that. It's normally what he does. So... Play nice, Dan. Daniel. Play nice. Go on. How, how many times have you been down to the Cardiff City Stadium, Lucas, to watch Stoke play? I've 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 been once to the Cardiff City Stadium when I was uh, opening a, a a bar, but Stoke weren't. Oh, playing. trust to be a bar there, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I I paid a fleeting visit because I was going to go and go to the gift shop. Um, I'm I'm pleased to say Stoke fans have not got a Cardiff shirt though, so don't worry. <laughs> Unfortunately, your trips over the bar won't help you with this then. So, you, I sort of asked you, what time frame are we sort of looking here? We sort of said around the time when we got into the Premier League. So, uh, I sound like such a glory hunter with that, by the way. Yeah, Premier League years. Nothing, nothing from before. Um, it's just when I got into football, it was it was coincided with, with Stokes with Stokes' success. I was only about 
seven or eight. So that's my excuse, Stoke fans. That's my excuse. You do have to explain yourself here. It's fine. It's good. <laughs> um, it's not you two I'm scared of. <laughs> uh, well, the question this week is, who were the last six Stoke players to score at Cardiff for Stoke? Now, I will give you clues on each one. I'll tell you initially, the inverse clues you'll get, two of them currently still play for Stoke. Um, two of them, I believe, are still connected to Stoke in other capacities. And one of them could have had a hat-trick in the Champions League this week as a substitute. Could have. So, so we go back, Ooh. I'll tell you where, we go back to 2007. Oh, Christ, okay. So, I'm, I remember last year, didn't yes. Josh Loren score against Cardiff at their place? Josh Loren did score, so he's one of the two obviously who's still here. It was a 1-1 draw, 22nd of April last year. Okay. Well, I'm guessing from one of the clues, would would, would Arnautovic not be on there? Yes. yes, so 19th of April 2014, 1-1 draw, Arnautovic scored a penalty. Hmm. Okay. So uh, I always get mixed up. Two, two of the other four are very memorable. I feel they're very memorable anyway. Like it would be oh. one of the things when you say you go, oh yeah, of course. Yes, I think you're going to. Ref- oh, one gone. How far? How far did you say this was going back? Sorry, Dan. Just saying there. Sorry. Uh, 2007, of which there are two matches that we scored in in 2007. I was going to say. Um, I think I know this. Well, I'm, I'm pretty confident I know this. Any any thoughts before I say it, Lucas? Because we probably how many lives do we get, Dan? I'll give you three lives. Well, three lives is generous. No, I'll go. You take it, mate. You take this one. Okay. Um, if I remember rightly, it was Ryan Shawcross. I think he scored on his debut. Of course. In the of course. He did. 11th of August, 2007, a 1-0 win. I was in that away end, right behind that goal, right short across. <laughs> Score, signed the day before, and then powered in ahead to win the game. Oh, and I think it was also his 19th birthday, I think, as well. <laughs> God, right, yeah, you right, skinhead, wasn't he? Yeah. Have we got three more to guess then, is that right? Um, yes. We've, we've got Laron, we've got Shawcross, we've got Arnautovic. We've got... So there's one player still playing for the club. One player yep. still connected with the club, did you say? But not yes. playing? Yeah. I'm trying to think of you, players. You, was his name was mentioned on your show on Tuesday. Oh, night. oh, I know. Oh, I think I know anyway. Go on. Johnny Walters, isn't it? Yeah, he scored oh, twice. Shout. When we got to the FA Cup final, uh, the third round, Tunchai scored at the 365 Stadium. We went to a replay. Yeah. It was nil-nil, and John Walton scored twice in extra time, including ripping off his top to show his little sports bra when they were quite a new <laughs> thing. I'm trying to think of players still in, still playing, and I'm just racking my brain. And it, it so it would have been a game. It was before Laurent. Like, yeah, so it was last season was Laurent. The season before we lost two-one. Yeah. In March. Baker. Yeah. It was Lewis Baker. Oh, yes. <sighs> now, this, this is the tricky one. So, also 2007, but in April 2007, we had a 1-1 draw. And this guy, he's now a manager. Oh, um, okay. you just given it away. You shouldn't have told us that. Go on. 
It's going to be Hofkins, isn't it? It is Carl Hofkins, yeah. Brilliant. Mate, I tell you what, it must be you, you, you lucky charmer, because I don't only do this well. I mean, I mean, Dan, Dan, you, you were too kind, I think, there, with the with the Arnautovic clue especially. That was um, <laughs> that was just like a gift on a plate, that was. <laughs> he felt bad for me. I think I did I did well previous weeks, and the last two weeks have absolutely been shocking. So I think he's been kind to us there. No, I, appreciate, I appreciate it, because it makes me look less of a fool now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you really should have had a hat trick as well, shouldn't you? Do you know one thing I haven't done? We've been kind of slating uh, social media a lot tonight, but one thing I did enjoy was the amount of fans mourning uh, Arnautovic all those years later, just seeing him pop yeah. up in the Champions League for Inter Milan. Um, it, we have to laugh or we'll cry. I know, I'm sure we could get the band back together. Money Esther, <laughs> Bojan out of retirement, get Arnautovic. That's one way to get the fans on side. Yeah. <laughs> it's be, uh, be interesting. I mean, Jack Butland, I'm sure he'll give up Rangers. He's doing, right. He's doing right at Rangers. He's doing right at yeah. Rangers. Why not? I think he's a bit of a dark horse for the England squad, I reckon. Yeah. Anyway. I'd like to see him, like to see him get that England squad in the summer. Just, just, I don't think he's Full circle. Top. Full he's circle really, after what happened. Yeah, I think he's a real top bloke as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Uh, I don't know how long we've been going. We, we we all love talking. I think it's pretty much... And Obviously, Lucas, that's your, your full-time job for me and Dan. It's uh, <laughs> not quite, but we just love talking. So, uh, Luke, really appreciate you coming, mate. It's been it's been great. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll get the invite onto uh, Radio Stoke at some point to, I don't know, go to go to the Bet365, or maybe we'll go away to Cardiff and you'll take us with you. I don't know. But oh yeah, well listen, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find we'll find a way. We'll find a way. I always love having you guys on, so uh, I, it was only right that I that I jumped on the pod as well. And I'm just going to have to apologise once again uh, to to any Stoke fans that got excited about the thought of Alex Neil. Uh, Tony Pulis, even Nigel Johnson, even Jonty, and they've ended up with with me. So um, I can only apologise, but hopefully it's been worth your while. And, and for anyone who didn't think, you even give them a little a little clue by liking the post, didn't you? I well? did, I did. Yeah. I thought I'm literally, I'm, 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 I'm. It's like you with your clues earlier. I'm just, I'm just gifting <laughs> this to people, and uh, I didn't even come to the mind, which is fine. I, I don't mind being an underdog. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> Well, they won't do it again. Um, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, we're working on some things for the summer, which hopefully would be good. We're not going to say anything more, but let's keep fingers crossed. Uh, we'll definitely get you back on again, Lucas, maybe um, to talk about our staying up, shall we, later on oh, uh, in the season. Yeah. I'd love to have a lovely positive. Well, this has been quite positive tonight, but uh, uh, one where no one can have a go at us for being positive, that'd be good. Yeah, 100%. Boys, thanks very much. Um, and let's look ahead to three points against Cardiff. Cheers, lads. Fingers crossed. Blood Stoke. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.